0: in session with Dr. Farid Hulakwi. Good evening, welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hambra. Studio number to call in 310-441-0555. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show or just to suggest topics or books for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Again, the studio number 310-441-0555. Let's get to the books of the week. The book of the week for this week that I'll talk about next week is Brain Energy by Christopher M. Palmer. Brain Energy, a revolutionary breakthrough in understanding mental health and improving treatment for anxiety, depression, OCD, PTSD, and more. I came across this book the other day at a bookstore, and it seems that uh, Dr. Palmer is proposing... A theory related to mental illness and how it relates to metabolism in in general, or how they think diet, but also how the brain is metabolizing things. I, of course, haven't read it yet, so not familiar, but that's what I gathered from um, reading a little bit about the book. So Brain Energy by Christopher M. Palmer. Look forward to reading that and sharing it with you next week. The book of the week from last week that I'll talk about tonight is a classic by um, someone who's considered one of the best, uh, greatest American authors of all time, Ernest Hemingway's The Old Man and the Sea. Uh, The Old Man and the Sea, a novella, just over 120 pages long. And I might share a bit about my experience reading the book, because I'd read this book, I think actually twice when I was younger, but um, I think the last time was maybe 20 years ago. It was a long time ago. And so even that... Uh, experience of reading it again and trying to compare it to what I experienced when I read it back then. I'll likely end the segment today about that. Um, and uh, the book is, you know, when I talk about fiction, I know, of course, you know, you want to say spoiler alert or let you know that I might talk about the plot. Although usually in great literature, I think the plot is important, but not in the same way we might think Um, when we're watching a TV show, usually it's the depth of what it covers and gets into that we learn from, not necessarily the order of events or how things happen. So I might talk about the book and give some spoilers about the plot. So if you haven't read it, um, I guess you can turn off this episode and read it and come back. But really, I don't think it'll make that much of a difference. I had already read the book and yet had an experience with it that was quite meaningful. So The Old Man and the Sea is about a fisherman an old, who's the old man uh, named Santiago. Uh, in the early 1950s, it appears in Cuba, and he has had a really bad streak of fishing. For 84 days straight, he hasn't caught anything. And so he's having this really bad streak. That's how the book starts. And we also see this young boy, Manolin, who uh, has fished with him many times before and from a young age, the old man has taught him so much. But because of this really bad streak, his parents tell the, old, the, the young boy that this man is bad luck. He's having bad luck, so don't fish with him anymore. So he goes and fishes with someone else. But throughout the book, you see this young boy. Manolin has so much respect for Santiago, the old man, and is taking care of him. Gets him coffee, food, tries to make sure he's okay uh, in a variety of ways throughout the book. Um, and even cries, just kind of his heart breaks at seeing how much the old man is suffering and what he's going through. And so the old man talks to him about how this next day he's going to have better luck, and he wants to really try to end his this bad streak. And so he goes even further out on this day, on this 85th day of his bad luck, to see what he can do. And he sets his lines, and um, I've never gone fishing before, but there's a lot of talk of the different technicalities of how to fish and the lines and what the old man does to to go through the process of of fishing and then reeling the fish in. Um, But so he sets his lines and then after a while, gets later, he um, catches a fish or he feels a tug. And so it turns out, and he's a very experienced fisherman. And so over a little bit of time, he can realize that this is a really big fish. He can't see it, but he's imagining how big this this fish must be based on the way it pulls and the things that it's doing. And then we see him battle with this marlin. Um, I actually didn't look up the difference between a marlin and a swordfish. Maybe it's two different words, but they look in a way similar that they have this kind of um, sword coming out of their, what we would almost be like their nose or mouth. And so he's now battling with the the marlin. We see this struggle that he's, you know, again, he's this old man, but he's strong for his age and he is battling to, defeat this marlin and even at times we he talks about how he respects this marlin that he's battling with and eventually he succeeds he does kill the marlin with his uh, harpoon um, after a long time even a day and a night of the marlin dragging the boat and him just trying to tire out the marlin and hope that he can defeat him and not have the lines break or not have the marlin um, do more damage to him eventually he does kill This marlin and when he sees it it is huge he says it's the biggest one he's ever seen and he's an experienced fisherman so that's a big deal and he's already thinking how much can i get for this and trying to calculate how much you'd get if it's a certain amount per pound but then he says i would need some paper but he knows it's a lot um, of of money that he would make from this fish so it seems his bad luck has ended but now he must get back to shore he went further out to hopefully change his luck and to possibly get even a bigger fish. And he did, but now he has to come back to shore. And this is where uh, the book turns even more tragic. It starts in a way tragically where we see this old man who's down on his luck. But then here, although it seems like his fortunes have changed, we see that there's more suffering and despair that he has to go through. And so as he's trying to get back to shore with this huge fish basically lugging it beside the boat he starts to get attacked by sharks or sharks smell the scent of the blood because he's pierced it with his harpoon and so sharks start to come and one by one or actually sometimes even two at a time sharks are coming and he is trying to fight them off and he does bravely he even kills a few sharks in the process Um, eventually though at one point the harpoon breaks and now he uses a knife that he puts at the end of an oar to create a weapon and he's trying again unfortunately each time these sharks come they take some meat off of the fish and so he sees that okay already this much of it is gone and um the next time he's seeing more is is going and he knows he's still far away and now of course when they bite into the fish now even more blood is being released and the, the sharks will smell the blood and so they keep coming and he's fighting bravely and valiantly even though you get the sense that he recognizes that there's almost no hope. He tries to keep some hope as he continues to fight to keep some of this fish at least um, to take back to shore. But unfortunately, uh, the, the sharks win. He, he can't defeat. The sharks keep coming. He's so far from land and eventually there's no meat left. And so he finally gets back. And this is, uh, it's a short novel, but I'm condensing it, of course, even more, but this is a long battle he has first with the fish And then with these sharks, and when he gets back to shore, he has nothing to show for all his effort other than the tail and the head, essentially. It's like the skeleton of this great fish. And he's been out almost, I think, two days. And we even see him just taking sips of water, trying to take bites out of fish that he has caught on that day or has around him, really struggling to survive, going through so much pain, his his hands cramping. And as his hands cramp, he, he admires Joe DiMaggio of the Yankees, and he loves American baseball, and he's imagining uh, at some points, would he be proud of me if he saw this? And he knows that Joe DiMaggio has bone spurs, an injury he doesn't quite understand, but he, he hears it's painful, and he wonders, is it as bad as my injuries or my pains, like my, my the cramp in my hand that I'm having? And so we he, see him going through this uh, experience and wondering what's what's it like and how would it be seen. That was something that's interesting and that I'll touch on um, how our efforts are seen by others but really when he returns he has nothing that he will gain materially from this fight and this struggle. The The fish is now no longer has any meat on its bones. All it is is bones and even some of the other fishermen see um, that this skeleton is huge. They don't know the efforts and everything that he went through but they do see this huge fish and he goes to sleep in his home which is a very modest home even. Um, in the first part of the book, we see that he puts a newspaper in his trousers to make a, a pillow to sleep on. So he's a poor old man, and he's been struggling, and the boy comes to take care of him some more and asks him about his experience, and he tells him a bit about it. Um, and The boy cries, seeing that this old man has suffered more and seems to be a noble man, but is suffering. And the end of the book, we also see coming back to this theme of how our efforts are seen by others are often misunderstood by others that there's the tourists that are at this terrace cafe or this terrace close to where the old man um, fishes or his boat docks and they see this huge skeleton of a a fish outside of the um on the on the water and they ask one of the waiters well what is that and the waiter's trying to explain what what it is he's trying to say that Sharks attacked the, likely attacked the fish. That's why it looks that way. But these tourists think that he's saying that it is a shark. And so they say, I didn't know sharks had some such handsome, beautiful formed tails. And her male companion says, I didn't either. And so we see that it's completely misunderstood even what happened or what he went through. Um, But that's to me something, uh, there's so many themes. And I generally try to read about the books and learn more about the book but i often don't want to see what others have said about the book to to keep and maintain my own impression of it uh, but this theme for me of what will what do people see of our efforts and that people don't know what we go through how hard we work often sometimes they will and sometimes people go through lengths to make sure others see how hard they're working but really our pain our suffering our our uh nobility and what we do and the hardships that we endure won't usually be seen by others and won't be recognized by others they will know the suffering that we went through and if we do it for the appreciation of others we likely will be disappointed because they don't really see it or understand or we often misunderstand just like here oh the shark that the person brought back when it wasn't Um, Or people don't know how long you've battled with that fish to bring that fish in and to bring in nothing. He gained nothing in material value from all of that struggle and that suffer. There was no external validation, yet he suffered and fought brilliantly and bravely. And so if we are looking for others to make us feel good about our efforts, we will likely be disappointed and we are going um, for the wrong aim to make sure it is seen. It won't be seen. and usually won't. As I mentioned, there's interesting moments where he, who ad- he admires uh, Joe DiMaggio, a very famous baseball player who was very good at that time and wondering what he would think of him if he was seeing him fishing and what he was going through and uh, imagining this hero of his and would he uh, admire him in those moments. So we see that type of a, a back-and-forth experience of imagining what people would think of him And what he's gone through. But again, we won't often see or people won't see what we go through. And so that was something I I noticed. And him just fighting bravely till the end. He didn't have hope at some points or very much hope, but he didn't give up and knew that he had to give everything that he could. And again, he goes back to sleep with nothing but a hard few days of triumph or not triumph, tragedy, close to triumph where he thinks he has this greatest catch of his life, but it turns out to be nothing. So uh, a lot of tragedy there. Interestingly, I did read a bit about Ernest Hemingway himself and that he wrote this book at a time when he um, was a little bit down on his luck writing wise. He had not done well and he was trying to prove that he still had something left. And he wrote this and he thought it might be his best work. And it really is incredible that, again, the story itself, is interesting and fascinating, but the way it's written is what's meaningful, and I encourage you to read it. It's a very short read. Um, and so it was his way, and interesting to me was that it was like his big fish he caught. He'd already written a few big fish of books before that were very well-known and well-received, but he'd had a few that were not so well-received, and this was his uh, next expenditure or next um, adventure in writing that he he decided to write this book that he had thought about and wrote about a bit before, um, but then wrote it in this complete form and released it. So that was interesting to me. Uh, a reminder of, at times we hear the name like Ernest Hemingway and it's this great writer, but we have to remember that they become someone, they become this, what we consider genius or great artist, author, whatever it might be, but they weren't always that. They had to go through their own struggles to become that. And so it relates to this theme of struggle that goes throughout the book. Looking at the time, I'm at a commercial break, but after the break, I'll talk a bit about my experience reading the book that I mentioned um, at the start of the show and some thoughts related to that. So let's go to a commercial break and we'll be right back. Welcome back. In the first segment, I was talking about the book, The Old Man and the Sea by Ernest Hemingway. And as I mentioned, I'd read the book, I think a few times probably in my either late teens or early 20s, so we're talking about 20 years ago. And so that was a interesting experience um, because last time I read the book, I would probably relate more to the, the young boy, Manolin, but now i related probably not quite to the old man completely, but can see more in him than I probably did when I was younger. So that itself was an interesting I don't have a record right now, I'll have a record of myself and my experience of reading it at this age. And maybe if I read this book again when I'm 60 or 70, I can look back to this and see how different it is at the experience I have then. So I don't have uh, some kind of written or video recording or uh, account of it. I wish I actually did write what I thought of the book back then to see how different it is. Because I've thought of this when I was younger, I remember reading literature, and as I talked before about plot, it just seemed like it was all about what happens. This person did this, they fought in this way, and then this happens in the end. It was just the plot and the series of events. But as I've gotten older, and maybe for people this happens younger than it did for me, I, I realize how much of what happens in literature, what is meaningful in literature, is the way it's written, or the essentially philosophy of life that gets revealed through how things unfold and how it's described—that's more important than just the uh, plot and the series of events. So in this book, the old man of the sea, fisherman has bad luck, catches a huge marlin. Marlin get eaten by fish before he gets to shore. He goes to sleep, and you know, essentially some things sprinkled in between there. But that's about it. And that itself is something. Um, maybe meaningful in its own way, but not the same way that the book when it's read, and you see all the rich detail of the experience that um, is unfolding there. And so as I read the book when I was younger, I remember hearing the story or or, or seeing the story as I read it and thinking it was interesting. But I don't think I really connected to it in such a deep level. Um, But now again, I, I don't consider myself an old man. But having lived more at that point, maybe it was I was half the age I am now, I have a different feeling about the experience of this old man and seeing what he's going through, in some ways feeling closer to that. And even the book definitely uh, involves lots of themes uh, related to mortality and death. First, even the the fish dying, and at some point he does say to the fish, uh, often he, he talks to himself and he talks about that even, but talking to the fish saying, you're going to die do you have to take me with you or for me to die too why should we both have to die Uh, and even respecting the fish as I mentioned before even um, in its battle with him and that he is fighting for his life and eventually he wins but he, he has a lot of respect for this fish but so we see a lot of things related to to mortality and of course it's called the old man in the sea and this old man's age shows up in lots of ways as I mentioned earlier he's much stronger than you would imagine and you see him Uh, fighting in these variety of ways and enduring lots of pain and long periods of pain during this process of battling the fish and then fighting with the sharks. Um, But we do know that he's getting older, and he's uh, getting closer to death. And even at some point, he says, uh, near the end of this whole adventure, he has a coppery taste in his mouth, and he says that his chest was hurting. And so we wonder, is that some kind of um, heart attack or heart issue or... Whatever it might be definitely is signaling that he's getting closer to death uh, as well. And so um, it's definitely heartbreaking. But in this, I don't even know if bittersweet would capture it, but this way where there seems to be some kind of meaning in his suffering or some value in it, even though he shows up empty handed in the sense that the fish has no more meat for him to sell. He can't make anything from it materially to change his life. You do feel like there's some meaning in his suffering, and that there could be meaning in the suffering in our own lives. That when it's done in the right ways or for the right things, suffering has value or has meaning. And we want to choose. Um, maybe I can say it this way: life is difficult, life is tough, and will involve suffering. We want to make sure we choose the right type and types of suffering and pain in our lives. Choose the right things that will hurt in some ways because everything we do will have pains in it, but choose the right types of pains and the noble pains that we will value and give meaning to our lives in the long term. And so as I I read this now, as I mentioned earlier, this, this connection to the old man felt more real to me than I think it did when I was younger, that I could just see the old man from a very far distance, and that's just this old man. And there's a way that when you're younger, And I'm sure at this age, I'll do it too to people that are much older. But especially, I think, when you're very young. um, Old people all just seem like this, a different species. They don't seem like they're one of you or that you will ever um, be that. It just seems like it's something so different. So you're 18, 19, and you see someone who's like 60 years old, and it just seems like, oh, that's just, what is that? It's not even a person, or I'll never be that way. And I think it's uh, something, you know, we can never convince the young to be aware of these things. We talk to them about it and that, oh, one day you'll be old too, or one day it'll catch up to you. Um, and you'll see that you're going to have these experiences I'm having, but it's hard for them to get it, to really recognize that. We, we all are egocentric in a way, and we know in adolescence, we see some resurgence of that, but this way of like, just, oh, I'm, that's so not me. How I am and who I am is what I'm going to be, and I'll never become that. But we realize as we age, uh, that, that that too is me. That at some point, actually, if I'm lucky, I'll get to that point. Um, but if I am around that long, that'll be my experience and what I go through as well. So I think that that's something that I recognize that as a young teenager, maybe in my early 20s, reading about the old man, it felt so distant and so far. And that, uh, again, it's almost like a different species, someone that you can just see from far away. But now when I'm reading it, uh, in my early 40s it feels like a different experience that okay that's I can experience some of those things already but also can feel much closer to that and can connect to that um, so I say there's that quote of um, youth is spent or wasted youth is wasted on the young and when I was younger and out hear that quote I think I would get upset because it seems like why is it a waste but I can understand that and it doesn't mean it's necessarily wasted but there is something to this um quote that is telling us that when you're young there's so much you can't understand and you physically have so much capability and so much um, you're the strongest you'll ever be but you don't know so much or you can take it for granted because you don't think or realize that it's not going to last forever and you don't see um, what would be more meaningful and valuable for you to use this strength ability towards it's it's that way wasted and so i can understand that and I think part of what we try to do as we get older is to share to the younger generation these things that we've learned and we've experienced so that they can see them. Unfortunately, going back to what I was saying before and the ways uh, the mindset is in that age, we tend to think, ah, these people don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're saying. Um, I also think that's partially, especially an American type of mindset, that we do see that in the United States, we don't value the the elderly in the ways that some other cultures do. I think in the Iranian culture, you see it more valuing, um, people as they get older, although I don't always see it as valuing them as having something to contribute or the wisdom that I think we would benefit from learning from them. But we do, I think have more respect for taking care of them, but you, you do see in some cultures, there's even more of an emphasis on the wisdom and learning from people as they get older. So as we get older, yes, physically, there's much less than we can do. And even mentally, um, in some types of intelligence, fluid intelligence, uh, you lose that over time. It peaks, and I think it's the early, mid 20s, your ability to um, think quickly. Even things like working memory will start to decline a bit after that. So you lose some of that. But the more deeper wisdom crystallized type of intelligence that just can continue to grow throughout life. And so as people age, they have less to contribute physically with their, with their hands and with strength and even to be able to think as quickly in certain ways. But there can be a depth to what they can contribute to us that can be quite valuable. And, you know, the old man and the sea, and the sea has so much depth in it, right? How, how deep it is. There's something... Um, There that we can always gain, but we tend to underestimate what they have to contribute. And in the book, actually, the old man uses his physical strength. He was, as I said, quite strong for his age, and you see him battling day and night almost. I think it's almost two days that he's going through all of this before he comes back to sleep again. So he's showing incredible physical strength and also perseverance to push through that. But we also see that he has a lot to contribute in um, his experience to share that, and he wants to share it with this younger boy Manolin, which he he does. But um, at the end of the book, we see that the young boy says, "Tomorrow, I'm going to go out with you." And you know, the old man says, "But your parents might not like that." But he's saying, "No, he'll he'll go out with um, him." And so that, to me, is actually another sign of the way this old man can share that he might not have anything to make as far as making money from these struggles that he had but throughout his life what he has something to share and he shares it with this young boy and the young boy actually does have a lot of respect and reverence for him and it doesn't just seem like he's feeling sorry for him even though he does cry and we feel that there's a, a pity in that that he's his heart breaks for this old man but it does seem like a genuine respect that he has for for him and what he can actually learn from him and to be with him so for me it was uh yeah interesting and i actually encourage you to read this book but also if you've read a book when you were younger a piece of literature um, to reread it again and see the difference in the experience i think when we think of literature as i was saying before as just plot the feeling is well i already know what happens in that one or i already saw it kind of like we might say we saw a movie or a tv show because we know the series of events and the plot and how it unfolds we think well we've already done that And I think that for some types of entertainment, that does make sense where really most of it comes from um, what happens and what happens next and the order and the surprises and all of that. But in the great works of art and great literature, it's really much deeper than that. So, yeah, this experience of what did you uh, experience, what did you connect to, what didn't you connect to, it'll be very different in different ages and stages of your life. And as I said before, I. I didn't write anything down then. Now I have these um, recorded, even just for myself, uh, experiences that I share on the show that I can then listen to myself later on and see how my experience has changed. But it's, it's quite fascinating to think about how differently you might read the same piece of work because you change. You're not the same person as you were when you read it before. We are constantly in change and in flux. We are not static, even though we feel like we're one person and we always have been the same person. We have a multitude of, of selves and parts of ourselves and throughout our life, multitudes of selves that unfold over the the lifespan of uh, each and every one of us. So for me, that was interesting. And I was trying to remember how I read it back then and what it felt like back then. And, you know, just felt like, okay, I'm going to read this book. And uh, Ernest Hemingway, actually, my father uh, loves Ernest Hemingway. He really Enjoys some of his work. Actually, I don't know if he. I'm sure he's read this one too, um, but I, I know that he really admires him. That I think was another reason I read it way back then, um, was because I knew his author. He he liked and enjoyed, but uh, there was such a different feeling to it back then. So that to me was interesting, seeing how I related to different aspects of the book in different ways, and that the suffering, I felt something deeper in it this time than I think I could have felt. When I was younger, couldn't quite understand that type of pain and that suffering, or that sometimes we, we suffer and we don't really get anything tangible from it. And that's really heartbreaking and painful. But really, when we, when we try, when we put our effort into something, we don't have a guarantee of the result. And so often we suffer without knowing, or we struggle, or we uh, endure without any guarantee. And that's really something we have to accept in life that you put your efforts in what you think is the right direction, as I was saying before, suffering for the right things, for the right reasons and the right ways. That's all we can do, putting those values forward and going towards them. But there's no guarantee that things will work out or pan out for us the way we'd like or hope. Um, and I think that's a heartbreaking but very true reality of life, that it's just you do what you can, you do your best, you do what you think is right, but you might not always have something to show for it. And in that way, life is tough and life can be unfair at times. And it's something that we have to accept and it feels very unfair. You read the story of the old man and he works so hard to get this huge fish and he knows that if he brings it back, it's going to take care of him for so long. Um, But fate, whatever you want to call it, luck uh, makes it so it doesn't work out for him. Uh, Another interpretation I thought of when I read it is sometimes we try to do something that's too big or... Something that we're reaching in a way that's not very true. So was it that he went too far out in the sea and he caught this big fish, but he he could have known he wouldn't be able to bring it back? So that's another interpretation or way of thinking about it. Sometimes we put our, our suffering or pain in something that might not be the right way or might be too much or too big, and we're trying to create this big dream, idealized scenario, but it might not be realistic that we can actually achieve that. So that I could think of it in that way as well. And usually, I think when you're reading great works of art like this, there isn't just one meaning or one way to read it. Um, each person can read it and have different interpretations, and even within yourself, as I'm saying, multiple interpretations, even in, at the same reading. So, yeah, just some thoughts about the book itself, but also my experience of reading it and reading it even multiple decades. Um, and I likely will read... This book, again, just to see what it's like sometime in the future when I experience it. Let's go into our last commercial break. We'll be right back. Welcome back. So was talking about the book, The Old Man of the Sea by Ernest Hemingway. And sadly, if you know how um, Ernest Hemingway died, he died from suicide. He took his own life at the age of, I believe, 61 and it's tragic, and we, the book itself I was describing is very tragic, but of course, this is real life that he, he took his own life. Um, and like so many great artists, of course, just people in general who've taken their life, were heartbroken. We often wonder why, and we don't have exactly a why for anyone's suicide, even if they leave us a note, we won't really fully know um, what it was that led to their taking their own life. And, With ernest hemingway when you see some of his life i just looked briefly at some understandings of what he went through that he went through many physical and psychological ailments throughout his life including um, near the end of his life and even he was hospitalized several times close to the end of his life Um, and he was known if you've seen any uh, pictures of him often you'll see him doing things like hunting and he was known as this very masculine figure that embodied Um, masculinity and uh, you know here i want to be careful because i i'll be speculating very much and it's more about general themes i can't say specifically about him um but so i I, I say that in advance because when you look at his life and being this incredible um, artist who yes i mentioned before there was times where he was not being as uh, respected or some of his work wasn't as good for a, a while but overall was really respected as this incredible author. And at the top of his game, um, it was a shock for many, is that why would he take his own life? And uh, I'm reminded, you know, when he, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald, another great American author who wrote The Great uh, Gatsby, he wrote a book himself, uh, Fitzgerald's called The Crack-Up, which talked about his own struggles and his own... um, Experience and almost mental breakdown, and I've actually considered reading that book because I'm curious to see how F. Scott Fitzgerald describes himself in going through these things. And I remember reading about Hemingway's reaction was very negative uh, towards this, and related to things like you know whining in public or basically um, going back to this masculine uh, energy or mindset that he embodied. This you know you shouldn't be whining in public or you know sharing this and almost embarrassed for. Uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald for confessing and, and writing those things and so as I was saying before this is all speculation or not even speculation specifically but these themes of um, how negative it is for you to share what you are going through or the pain and the anguish that you are experiencing and it's better to suffer in silence and internally uh, even in this book the old man in the sea we see this man suffering he does share a bit with the the boy of what he went through but he is on this journey completely alone he talks to himself even talks to the fish but he's alone on this this journey that's also something that strikes me Uh, as I was saying before I think there's something to that that our suffering is never fully going to be seen or understood by anyone else and we should understand that and uh, expect that and we shouldn't expect that people will understand the the trials we've been through the tribulations the challenges Um, but there's something about this old man he is all by himself and he goes through this, this by himself. And so uh, I just thought of these themes of how we sometimes look at suffering or what is the right way to suffer or to go through things. And often, especially for men, the expectation is to not share that suffering with anyone. That if you share that you're suffering, especially emotionally, that physically, yes, you might show it in some ways, but still you should... Uh, grit your teeth and bear it, but especially emotional pain, is not something that is allowed to be expressed or should be. We are moving away from that, but we still hold on to this in many ways that um, a man should not show any kind of vulnerability because that vulnerability is weakness. If they show that they um, are going through something difficult or that it's knocking them down, that is going to be taken advantage of by other people. Actually, I think I saw uh, Shaq, Shaquille O'Neal, the basketball player, recently made a comment, and I saw it was getting the rounds on uh, social media about how a man shouldn't, I don't know if it was cry or shouldn't open up emotionally to, to his woman because she will take advantage of it or use it against him. And now, it definitely is the case that people do, it does happen, where People will use what you share with them when you open up against you. So I'm not saying that can't happen and it's not something that is a risk. There is genuine risk of being vulnerable. So as much as I will encourage it overall, and many people will, uh, there's a reason why we're scared of it because it can have its drawbacks. Even in the moment, the person can make you feel bad or or hurt you with it in some way or not respond in a way that feels good. But on top of that, they can use it against you in some way, whether it's things that you share that then they exploit or later throw it back in your face or make you feel bad about what you shared. It can happen. But um, we can see that this is still a very uh, strong mindset or idea that if you share as a man what pains you are going through, you will Um, First of all, you're just weak and unmanly and all these negative things, but it's going to cost you. It's not going to be good for you. And I don't agree with that at all. I think it's just a human um, experience and human need to be able to share that with others. And as I was saying, it doesn't mean uh, it can't be used against you. And that's why you do have to be wise in how you share who you share with and being open with everyone is not necessarily the right thing if Scott Fitzgerald was writing it as a book, and that itself is exposing yourself to many people, but in a more personal sense, we do have to be aware of who we open up with and how. The timing has to be right, and also the person has to be right. Uh, we don't just trust everyone with our deepest secrets and our deepest pains. But if we do want to create close relationships, they only can get as close as we allow ourselves to share that vulnerability with someone else you can get close with just sharing the good times but there's going to be a limit to that and we could only really feel very close when we've allowed ourselves to go to those places where we are sharing that the pains the things that we've um, struggled with our own insecurities or things that we've gone through doesn't mean all at once over time we might express these things but if we don't open up in these ways we really can't get that close and so we see this in so many relationships especially traditional types of relationships that if the man feels that he's not supposed to open up it limits the, the closeness that is there and also when we are not as vulnerable and allowing ourselves to share those parts of ourselves it doesn't allow for the other person to feel comfortable to share and if they do it's often going to be negatively responded to it is not part of the culture of the relationship to be open and so because of that, it hinders the other person opening up and the emotional support they can get from their partner. And so it puts this very firm block in how deep we can go in our relationships. And so I think it's unfortunate that that is still something that people experience. And there can be many women who actually feel that way too, that a man should not um show this kind of, what would we, they might consider weakness, but this type of vulnerability or sharing their pains or sharing that they're struggling or going through something. And so when we have um, gender norms or values that are there, they're usually not created just by half the population. They're usually created by both sides in a variety of ways. So uh, men and women have both created this type of norm or this type of mindset, and it's up to to men and women and all people to help bring it down and to dispel this myth that a strong man doesn't get sad or doesn't get hurt or upset by things i often laugh that when they talk about men not being emotional what they usually mean is to not be sad or cry and that usually is our euphemism for crying is emotional so if i told you oh this person got emotional you don't think I'm saying they got very happy. You're you're pretty clear that I mean that they cried. They got sad and started crying or they got overwhelmed with emotion or crying. Um, but men are not given that space to be sad and to get emotional in that way. But they can be emotional and getting very angry. And even that's seen as uh, as masculine or strong, even though often that type of aggression, when it's when that anger turns into aggression or rage, is very destructive and even destructive to those very people that they love and even maybe have vowed to protect or take care of so if someone gets very aggressive and violent they often harm the people closest to them who if you can consider some kind of masculine ideal would want to protect and take care of their loved ones but now they are hurting them and so the part that i think is laughable is the thing that that's not emotional that crying would be bad and weak but it's not weak to hurt people that you're supposed to love and protect and take care of and, and respect. That to me doesn't make any sense. But often these types of um, gender roles and norms we have are constricting and restricting and also restricted in their logic or how much they make sense. That if you cry to your partner, that's something weak. But if you get angry and yell at them, that's somehow strong. I don't I don't think so. Strength is only valuable if it's used in things that are helpful so if you are using your strength to protect or serve other people or take care of other people that's good but if you use your strength to hurt people especially if you hurt people that you are you say you love then it's better for you not to have that that strength at all it's not even true strength it's something destructive and and hurtful and so I think as long as we maintain these types of ideas and ideals that a, a man is supposed to show his strength by not sharing any kind of emotional vulnerability by never showing that they they can't handle something or that everything is always okay or doesn't have any effect on them we unfortunately are going to continue to have men who suffer and carry that pain but they'll also will will hurt the people around them more and on top of um, hurting the people around them more, they will also take away from the beautiful connection and intimacy that can be created in the relationships if they have that space or if they take that risk in um, being vulnerable and so as I said that there's space and um, risk so the space has to be created by others which could be not just women but also other men and then men themselves would have to take the risk of of being vulnerable and to put themselves in that position to to share even when we hear that word vulnerable it's almost like we're exposing ourselves to get hurt like you expose your vulnerable side which could get attacked But when you um, show that vulnerable side to the right people that you can trust, who have care, respect, and love for you, they won't take advantage or hurt you in that exposed vulnerable spot. They will just want to show you love and care and compassion, show that they understand where you hurt, and will actually try to make it feel less painful, less hurt, and will try to get closer to you. Uh, So when I, I read this book and reflected on Ernest Hemingway's life, again, it's It's not fair to speculate on one person's um, suicide or experience or what they went through, and uh, he, as I mentioned, was going through lots of physical pains, and even uh, I read some accounts about concussions he had and how that could have also impacted his um, both physical but also mental health and things of that sort. But I was reminded of this masculine ideal and how it unfortunately can limit the experience of a man to not include emotional pain and suffering and that reality of the human experience and when we cut off any part of our human experience it usually comes back to hurt us in some way both those individuals the relationships and people around them and society at large so just some thoughts on that Um, this book is really uh, a a piece of art and I hope you will read it Um, the old man in the sea by Ernest Hemingway As I said, I quite quite enjoyed it. A quicker read, so you could read it in um, just a few hours. Um, But I think you'll see that it's really powerful. I was reading it, and as I was getting to the the closing pages, you know, sometimes you say, "Well, what makes something great?" And it's hard to even put your finger on what it is, but you just feel it. And I definitely felt that reading this book. So, again, the book I discussed today was *The Old Man and the Sea* by Ernest Hemingway. That brings us to the end of tonight's show. A big thank you to Farhad here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Farid Lokwi. Zan Zendegi Azadi.